0: The Deal Lawyer Podcast with John Andrews, powered by JMW Solicitors. Hello and welcome to the Deal Lawyer Podcast. I'm John Andrews back after a short break and joining me today is Stephen Radcliffe who's a Consulting Director at RSM UK Consulting. Stephen welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi John thanks for having me on.
0: So Stephen as Consulting Director at RSM what, 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 what's your job what, what your responsibilities?
1: Okay so I, I sit in our ESG advisory team uh, which forms part of our wider um, consulting practice here at RSM and um, we're a, a mid-tier uh, audit, taxing, consulting firm, uh, and servicing clients in the middle market. So we're offering a whole range of advisory and assurance uh, services to our clients uh, You know, from, from an ESG perspective. Uh, prior to joining this team, I've um, got over 15 years of corporate finance experience, uh, so providing financial due diligence on a range of M&A, fundraising, and capital markets transactions. So uh, that's where the, the two worlds kind of uh, collide for me.
0: Fabulous. And so the term ESG, do you want to tell me what what that stands for?
1: I certainly can. Um, So there are an awful lot of uh, acronyms and a bit of an alphabet soup really in in terms of uh, what ESG represents, but stands for environmental, social and governance. Uh, So they're three pillars, as we call them, which weren't often considered together uh, until relatively recently, but they are very heavily interlinked. Uh, So the E for environmental, That receives probably the most focus uh, more generally, uh, particularly around things like carbon emissions, uh, the requirements of the the Paris Agreement in 2015. Uh, You'll have heard of the UK having set itself a a target of hitting net zero carbon by 2050. Uh, And tied into that are things like uh, resource consumption, so natural resource uh, consumption, waste management and recycling, uh, with a nod towards things like the circular economy. Uh, so it's about ensuring that we're, we're operating sustainably within the uh, the resources available to us right on the social oh, side um that covers mainly people matters such as uh diversity and inclusion issues uh, employee well-being and, and and skills and training so making sure that your your workforce is sustainable uh, happy motivated things like that and also about dealing with your supply chain in, a, in an ethical manner uh so issues such as modern slavery uh, come into it from uh, from that perspective uh, and the governance uh, pillar uh, really that's about ensuring that the opera the organization's um behaving ethically and, and responsibly but also about it having a clear purpose uh, that both customers and employees alike uh, can align themselves to uh, we see the governance as also being the the glue that holds everything else together um so that's ensuring that you've got appropriate structures uh in place to just to embed all of those good activities that um, I've just been referring to.
0: Okay, so most of the listeners to this podcast are owner managers SME businesses. Um, in, in terms of a kind of typical M and A transaction or the operation of an SME, where, where does ESG come into come into the frame? Where where is it relevant and important to to that sort of those scenarios?
1: Exactly. So so we are finding that uh, you know while CSG. Uh, reporting and, and activity is so far has been kind of the domain of, of of the larger businesses. There are a number of drivers really that are causing uh, businesses to embrace ESG. It, it's not just about what's uh, what's happening from a, a regulatory standpoint and a uh, you know a legislative requirement. Uh, you know, businesses are now answerable to a, a much broader range of stakeholders than they ever were. So it's not simply uh, about just maximizing uh value for your equity shareholders anymore you have to think about a whole range of different stakeholder groups that both impact your business and are impacted by your business so shareholders and investors will be one but also um, a whole range of uh, of actors sort of within your uh, value chain customers and suppliers you've got funders you've got regulators uh, the government uh, and also the general public from a, a, a reputational standpoint
0: yeah, I think it's fair to say that in the context of deals that we've been doing recently, if if we've got clients that are looking to do work with local authorities, for example, that they're really keen on this issue, so they want to know what your, you know, modern slavery policy is, for example. They they want to see it. If you can't produce it, then you're not even going to get a chance to tender for there.
1: Absolutely for their- right. Any any uh, local authority contract or public sector contract with a value of uh, five billion pounds or above. As, as you rightly say, you know, just to get on the tender list, you have to have a, a carbon reduction plan in place and, and a fit set yourself a, a net zero target. So, these are these are all sorts of push and pull factors that are you know, driving some you know some of the good behaviours that we're seeing in uh, in the space.
0: Brilliant. So, so if, if we're looking at a businesses looking to implement ESG, uh, what, what's the sort of starting point?
1: Starting points for for implementation, you know, I would say, uh, you know, because it, it's very new for a for a whole range of uh, of different businesses. Many people, uh, you know, really don't know where to start. I, I would say, you know, probably point number one is not to panic. You know, you're certainly not on your own uh, in in that viewpoint. It's an emerging area for for very many businesses, but there there is a lot of learning that you can do from your uh, your peer organisations and, and also those that you might um, aspire to. A significant part of uh, reporting on ESG will it be about collecting uh, non-financial data, uh, so knowing what you want to report first of all uh, and making sure that's very closely aligned with what your strategy is, what your vision is uh, and also what you're legally required to report. So there are some uh, regulatory requirements uh, you know for ESG impacting some businesses and so that will give you a uh, almost a basket of, of what you what you want to or should be reporting on and and just you know compare that with what you're doing currently many businesses when they first start looking at this they often surprise themselves with how much they are already doing some of them don't think they're doing very much at all but um, but they just haven't thought about it in the uh, in, in the right way so I think once you know what data you do need to um, collect you need to make sure that you're establishing an effective process uh, and procedure for collecting it so that's bringing that governance um, aspect into it you know make sure you've got sufficient capacity in your teams to uh, to do so um and, and really it's you know it, it can't be seen as a side project if it's going to be taken seriously, you have to have uh, set the right tone from, from the top. So having some at least sponsorship or senior level buy-in from some, someone on the board, uh, even if they're not um, ultimately taking the lead on the ESG agenda, they having that oversight is really vital to, for the business of your team to be taking it seriously.
0: Okay. So so if, if I were a, a commercial director in a medium sized business looking to do some some business with, with a local authority, um, and I say to you, I've got no idea, Stephen, about ESG. Um, what, what is it you're going to be saying to me? I, I need to get together. What do I need to collate and what will you guys put together for me to to get me to where I need to be?
1: Sure. So so the first thing to understand is you know, is it's coming back to those stakeholders, really. We will we'll do a, a piece of work to, to help. To you know, map who the who the key stakeholders are, uh, you know, we we consider their relatives sort of power and influence, and you know that there, there are a whole range. You know, there's a, there's a mapping exercise that you you would need to do to uh, to to understand what's important there, um, and that will in turn drive you know a lot of the the reporting behaviours and, and and requirements. Um, you know, not not just from a uh, you know an annual report point of view, but but sometimes there will be Requirements of individual, you know, supply contracts and things like that, whereby uh, again, it, the, the supply there are conditions being uh, being built into those supply contracts where it's not just about um, price or you know or or, or, or other uh, more traditional criteria. I think the ESG criteria are becoming increasingly important for the reasons we've uh, we've just described. Um, so yeah. It, making sure that you've got some uh you know, you know an appropriate level of, sort of capacity within the the business uh to to make sure we're co- we're collecting all, all all of that data you know once we've un- established what the data uh needs to be um you know, i would i would say collaboration is is also a key uh, a key yeah. aspect so um when you're establishing a a working group within your organization you know Try and make that as, as as broad as possible. Pull people from all different departments within the uh, within within the business. Uh, uh, if if you do that, you're making sure that you're you're getting as much sort of diversity of thought as uh, as possible. We're capturing all of the key risks that are uh, that are affecting the business, and and really that's what you know it, it, at the heart of uh, what ESG is about is 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 about resilience. Really, yeah. Um, yeah, it's resilience in the face of what is a yeah. you know a broadening basket of, of, of risks that are impacting businesses at all levels it's uh you know the, the climate uh the climate issue um is, is a real driver of that yeah um and you know and making sure that we're factoring in how how climate might uh, might impact the business uh in in the short medium and long term uh you know having having uh, ready-made responses to that and and building that into your risk management processes um, you know, it's is a big part of what uh, what ESg is about.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting hearing you talk about that because I think if I look at if I look at my own business, um, you know, for us of a certain age, these are all new concepts. So look at our younger employees now, and these are uh, quite apart from their external relationships, we you know, with, with clients and suppliers. It's almost a fundamental part of how they operate their working life during the day. You know, even, even down to taking away our waste bins and making sure that we recycle as much as we can so uh, yeah. it, it's something that i think is probably key not just to you know customer relations but employee engagement in, in many absolutely
1: ways. that's um yeah that's that's one of the key stakeholder groups i was probably referring to earlier john um you know our employees our, our customer uh base a, a far greater proportion of of both of those will be you know people of the millennial or the the gen z uh, generation and those those are people who you know again without making too general too sweeping a generalization um they're far more attuned um to you know esg matters they want to be dealing with uh, businesses whether that's as a customer or as an employee whose uh, whose values are are in line with their own so you know they they're voting with their feet both in terms of where they where they buy from and, and also who they uh, who they choose to work for, um, there are you know, the, the data out there to support the assertion as well that you know, people are are more and more willing to sacrifice a proportion of their earnings even to to find a bit you know a bit more meaning a bit more purpose um, in their work. So um, you know they, these are these are factors that shouldn't be ignored. Um, I spoke recently about uh, you know, how that's impacting. Uh, you, Life in the recruitment sector, for example, and yep. companies and, and recruiters alike need to be um, in, on board with that and make, make sure they're not they're not ignoring what's a what is pretty significant uh, movement.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, what, what does the ESG reporting landscape look like, and what, what, what do you think is coming up?
1: Coming up. So, um, again, you know, we're finding that more and more businesses are, are more willing to be transparent about. Uh, their ESG and their sustainability uh, credentials. Quite often, that, that's because there's a positive story to tell uh, there. So, compared with what we're probably used to from a financial disclosure perspective, where businesses have traditionally disclosed the bare minimum that they have to, and you know, regulation um, to an extent has permitted that. Uh, now, there is, a, you know, there's, there's much more of a, a willingness to be transparent with that comes uh, a greater uh, risk of what we call uh, greenwashing so essentially that is uh, making a claim that you know or an environmental or a green claim that may not be fully substantiated or or, or backed up by uh, by data so uh, that, that's a huge um, reputational risk that businesses are, are are now starting to face and there are a couple of ways in which they can uh you know counteract that or, or 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 mitigate those sorts of risks one one is by investing in and in, uh making sure they've got robust uh you know data collection processes in place the second is uh you know by carrying out some third-party assurance on, on on the data and the uh and the assertions that they're uh they're making uh in terms of what the uh reporting landscape looks like um we've got uh, at, the, at the probably the lowest level um, businesses which are large or considered large for uh, companies at purposes. Uh, so in very simple terms, that's you know, 36 million pounds of revenue and above. Um, they are caught by uh, the streamlined energy and carbon reporting framework so uh, that your director's report has to include um, certain disclosures around your, uh, your carbon emissions and, and, and energy saving uh, initiatives. Uh, also, at that level, you're required to make a, a modern slavery statement. Um, beyond that, uh, it, it, it's really the larger businesses uh, who are required by um, to report on ESG by by, the, by regulation, at least. Um, the task force on climate-related financial disclosures um, that's starting to, that's impacting businesses broadly speaking with uh, 500 million revenue or above. Uh, so that's a much more holistic uh, and, and and detailed set of um, disclosures. We're, we're working with a number of clients, and and it's a, a longer term uh, piece of advisory work to help them, um, you know, with with their forthcoming years and um, reporting there. But as as mentioned previously, it's not really um, it's not really regulation that's driving a lot of this for uh, for many uh, for many businesses. It's it's things like supply chain. Um, pressures which are you know, which are starting to uh, have more of an impact. So, if uh, for example, if if we take um, carbon emissions as an example, uh, they're split into uh, three scopes. So you have your scopes one and two, which are the emissions within the uh, the sphere of your own operations. Scope three refers to what's happening within your entire value chain, both um, upstream and downstream, so customers and suppliers. Uh, and essentially, what uh, what is your Scope Three is somebody else's Scope One and Two. In other words, that's happening within their own um, operations and therefore easier for them to measure. So, what's happening is for them, uh, for the larger businesses in that in that value chain. Let's say, let's say a Tesco at the, at the end of the line. Um, they're going to put pressure all the way throughout their their value chain to say, right, we need to um, be able to report on our scope three, you know, we're going to uh, you, know, you use things like supply contracts to uh, and use the leverage uh, within that to say, this is this is what you need to do. This is the reporting you need to do uh, to enable us to, uh, you know, to effectively you know, do the reporting that we need to. So uh, we're going to, you know, put certain conditions into our, uh, our contracts and make sure that happens. So, uh, so that that's probably a, you know, broadly speaking, a UK uh, perspective. The, the EU um, as a jurisdiction is very much a, a leader on, uh, on on regulation. They've got a couple of key pieces of legislation. Um, you've got the sustainable finance disclosure regulation, which is impacting the finance sector. So you know, a lot of private equity firms, um, if they want to market themselves uh, in the EU as a sustainable fund, which many of them uh, are keen to do, um, there are certain criteria that they need to to meet and uh, and report upon um, in order to you know, to maintain that status. Um, another key one that's coming into force uh, very shortly is the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive or CSRD, um, and that by by twenty twenty eight, I think it was only five years away. Uh, that's going to be um, impacting uh, SM, even SMEs. at um, you know, who are sort of operating within within the EU uh and even UK businesses who have got a substantial proportion of their uh, revenue uh, derived from the EU they're going to start to be um, impacted by it as well so there's a lot there's a lot of uh, different push and pull factors as i said John so a lot of uh, people get one's head around
0: a lot a lot going on there in the ESG world so g- given that the its impact seems to be widening what industry sectors um do ESG issues arise in most commonly
1: um but I guess it's natural for people to think about those uh heavy emitting sectors um you know that have an issue with ESG you, you're thinking mining heavy industry uh construction uh the built environment is is, is responsible for a you know, significant proportion of um you know of carbon emissions in the in, in the UK uh that's absolutely the case but we've got to be careful not to fall into the trap of, you know, just concentrating solely on environmental factors, uh, you know, which which all of that really does. Um, You know, businesses where, you know, environmental issues might be less significant, uh, that doesn't mean they're they're not, they don't have other ESG or sustainability factors to consider. So, you know, that's where the, you know, the equality, diversity, inclusion comes in. Uh, employee engagement, things like that. Um, so materiality uh, is, a, is a crucial consideration. Uh, there's a term called double materiality, which is about assessing the you ESG know, factors—not just that you have uh, on your um, on your environment or, or your um, or your stakeholders, but vice versa as well. You know the, what what impact your stakeholders have on you. Uh, and those what the material factors are going to vary greatly, uh, but you know, sector by sector. Uh, so there there are online tools available to help businesses um, assess uh, materiality from an ESG perspective. But uh, again, it comes down to you know, that that map, that mapping exercise I, I mentioned about yeah. you know, understanding who your key stakeholders are. Uh, and how uh, ESG factors are likely to affect them. That's that, that's a really important uh, step that I think your know, all businesses should take.
0: Okay, so so we've sort of established that the RSM ESG advisory team is a real expert in this area. What's the, what what other services can can you offer?
1: Um, okay, so uh, we, we we have something called a, a maturity assessment, which. As a as a bit of a diagnostic tool, uh, John, that that that's you know, if, if businesses really aren't sure where to start uh, around ESG, that that's something that we can uh, offer to you know to help people establish their their current position. Um, we we offer a whole range of, of ESG reporting support. So yeah, think for example with the TCFD disclosures for for, for companies at the at the higher end, but also. Uh, at a lower level, more more bespoke support for clients who are <clears throat> just starting to develop their own ESG strategies and policies. Um, as well, uh, we can do governance reviews, which range from you know an initial focused uh, assessment, you know reviewing uh, the the documentation that they collect, uh, you know observing board meetings, all the way to a you know through to a full governance and uh, and stakeholder review. Um, edi or equality diversity and inclusion uh, advisory work um, we've got uh, what we call the the race equality code which is a pri- pri- uh, proprietary uh diagnostic review um which helping businesses understand their that where they are on the uh on, on the edi uh, agenda and all the way through to you know esg due diligence so you know assessing
0: uh, I was just gonna ask you about that actually. That, <laughs> yes. a, that's a real, <laughs> as a corporate lawyer, I haven't got a real interest in this area.
1: Absolutely. And this is this is where um yeah, again, so sort of give, given my background, that's where my sort of two two worlds collide really. So um yes, the you know this this is helping businesses, you know, assessing their investment targets or acquisition targets, um, you know, particularly where they where the, the acquirer has its own ESG commitments already made. Yeah, they're looking to firstly see. How uh, you know how the target business uh, shapes up you know against those uh, against those criteria that it might uh, measure itself, um, but also you know we, we're we're looking at the the practical aspects um, of it as well and how uh, how businesses can can help to make uh, improvements from from an ESG perspective once it's. Um, uh when you once a transaction is completed so uh you yeah, know we we're very much focused on the on, on the practical recommendations that we can uh, that we can suggest and and how you know we recognize that uh, capacity is limited often um and and there's no way that absolutely every issue can be resolved in you know e- even in the medium term it's a uh, you know it's just too much to go at sometimes so looking at it through that lens of materiality but also you're providing a helpful um, sense of priority as well. So, sort of separating out your, your quick, win, quick wins versus your short, medium, and long term uh, recommendation, That's where you know, we, we feel we can add some real value.
0: Fabulous. And if any of our want to uh, get in touch with you, Stephen, at RSM to discuss these issues, how, how do they best do that?
1: Um, so, yes, you can, you can reach me on, uh, on, on email at stephen.radcliffe at rsmuk.com. Uh, please visit our our website as well um rsmuk.com uh, and visit our esg pages uh, there's some a, a real helpful overview there of of the range of services that we can uh, we can provide and uh you know you should find a uh, an inquiry link on there as well if if uh, if you need to get in touch uh, there's anything there that, that resonates we'd be uh, would be delighted to uh, to have a have an initial conversation and see how we can help
0: great thanks very much for joining us today Stephen. really and i i've learned as much as my listeners, i'm sure
1: yeah, so please see it. thanks john
0: thanks for listening to the deal Oil podcast uh, i'm john andrews if you'd like to contact me to discuss the issues arising from this podcast or indeed any previous ones we've done you can contact me at john at jmw.co.uk or on my mobile telephone 07768 266 036. Speak to you soon. The Deal Lawyer Podcast with John Andrews, powered by JMW Solicitors.